Now, if you're someone like me, I do not like to be told by someone else that I can't do something. You can bet your bottom dollar that if you tell me that, I am going to conquer and accomplish it. I'm going to do it. Don't tell me that I can't. If I have something that has power over me, I can't stand it. So I am going to work towards the goal of making myself have all the power over that thing. You know, so you can only imagine how excited I was when I found out that every born-again person has the right to take authority over Satan. Yep, that's why Jesus went to the cross. He went to the cross and he bought us that right with his own blood. All that suffering he did, it was for us so that we may conquer, that we may achieve, that we may have life and we may have it abundantly. That is such exciting news. It's a shame for us to be stomped on by Satan because of our ignorance of spiritual warfare. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. 1 John 3, 8. Isn't that awesome? That is awesome. Let's talk more about that today. Have you ever thought about how divorce is the work of the devil? It is. The thief cometh not but to steal and kill and to destroy. John 10.10 Divorce certainly is destruction. Tearing apart a family certainly is destruction. Anything that God ordains, anything that is God's will, when the devil kicks in and thinks he's going to cause some problems, it's definitely destruction of the devil. You see, the devil, especially now, all time high, wants to destroy the family. He wants to tear it apart. He wants to get people to disagree. He wants uh, parents to disagree, spouses to disagree. Um, Just anything that he can think of, he tries to drive a wedge to tear families apart. And when you're in that argument, I want you to remember that. That is the work of the devil. It's not your spouse. It's not even you. It's the devil's spirit that kicks in and tries to make you do things because he wants to have power over you. But guess what? We have all power and authority over him. Even though it isn't easy all the time, we have it and we can use it. God's most highly ordained unit on this earth, it's marriage. God created it. He esteems it. Marriage is a trial period in this age for life with Jesus in the next. It gives the Father love, part of God's great joy when His children find happiness in each other, the partners He has given us, in the holy and undefied marriage relationship. Satan hates God. Therefore, he hates God's children, too. He knows two united are more powerful, much more powerful than just one. In Matthew eighteen nineteen, for instance, um, 
Satan's aim in marriage is to divide and to conquer. You see, he fights dirty, real dirty. Sometimes he uses something obvious like alcohol or drugs. And then again, if he can just keep them from ever totally agreeing and working together on anything, he has them divided. For a side note, I want you to um, take note of how later on you're going to hear many one flesh scriptures that tells us to be of one mind. You can see why. Sometimes he'll he'll uh, assign uh, frigidity or touch-me-not demons to one or both partners, forcing them into extramarital affairs. Affairs are in Satan's sin domain, and he won't sick his demons on them. That's why an affair can be so perfect, sugar-coated, feels good. That person makes you feel like you're just right all the time, you poor baby. You know, and it just, you just can't wait to see them. You just think they're just so perfect, you know. Just let a person divorce his wife and marry the partner of the affair. See what happens then. Satan will immediately then start to attack that relationship too. He only made it sweet enough to make you destroy your own marriage and family just to think, well, I'll just move on to the next because it's so perfect and it's so great. I just couldn't have asked for any more better, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then once you get it all settled and you get into this new marriage, you know, or this new relationship, Satan's then going to turn his back on you. He's going to sick his demons on you and it isn't going to be all that you thought it would be because that is how Satan works. He doesn't care about you. He doesn't love you. He's not going to look out for you. He wants to destroy you. You see, if that were not true, changing partners would be the answer. It would be the answer to it all, yeah. Instead, we know of people on their third and their fourth divorce. In James three sixteen, it teaches us that for where there is envy and strive, there is confusion and every evil work. Think about it. Every evil work. That is a whole lot of evil. Strive is a great weapon of Satan's. Strife gives him legal entry anywhere if you see strife coming in. Run. Run in another room if you have to. But stop it. Stop it. Just tell yourself, I have to stop it. Say with authority, you, spirit of strife, I command you in the name of Jesus to leave. And you know what? It must leave. Resist the devil and he will flee from you, according to James 4. In Proverbs 20, verse 3, it says, It is an honor for a man to cease from strife, but every fool will be meddling. You have the responsibility to stop strife. It takes two to be in strife. So if you do not allow yourself to be in it, then it can't live. Do you get it? Do it. You see, it's more important to avoid strife than to appear justified. You see, fear is a literal spirit. It's sent from Satan. In 2 Timothy 1, 7, it says, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear. If fear begins to pour over you like a flood, if you recognize what's happening, 
and commanded to leave in the mighty name of Jesus. You speak boldly and with authority. It is yours. Jesus died and basically went through hell to get it to you, to get that for you. Use it. Colossians 2 uh, verse 15 says, And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Over literal spirits sent to attack us are depression, oppression, anger, doubt, confusion, and God is not the author of confusion. 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 14 verse 33 tells us that. Also, even suicide is nothing more than a spirit working for a defeated foe whose only real weapon is our ignorance and our complacency. Praise is a spiritual weapon against Satan. Have you ever tried counting to 20 and saying the Lord's Prayer in your head at the same time? It's impossible. Praise God loudly and enthusiastically and know that the depression or the anger, it won't stay in your head very long. Try it. The Lord inhabits the praise of his people, of his children, according to Psalms 22.3. Satan can't stand and he can't stand around too long. He can't hang around and, and, and mess with you whenever God is present and being praised. And thus he can't accomplish his purposes in your life, his destruction in your marriage. So now you can see how praising God defeats all those bad things. It defeats it. Even if you don't feel like it, do it. Do it and see things. See the atmosphere that you're in start to change. I guarantee you, it works. Try it. Every time, no matter what you're going through, no matter what you're waiting for, no matter what you're trying to defeat, try it and see what happens. Let me give you an example. I remember being hurt by the words of my husband and his comings and his goings in our lives. I'd literally had to take my marriage to the foot of the cross. I had to find God's peace to trust him to do what he promised to do for me and to heal my marriage. So I decided not to fight to let my husband begin to see the real me, the person God was intending for me to be all along. I had to literally trust God and what God was telling me and teaching me, and not those ugly, hateful, hurtful words of my husband. I didn't give him something to fight up against. I had to put Satan in his place. I was winning. I was silencing Satan's hackling and his laughter. I could hear it in my head. And I didn't want him to enjoy the laughter any longer. Can you hear him? What do you want? What do you want to do to him? What do you want to do? Hearing him hackling, laughing, thinking he's winning. I no longer was allowing Satan to poke jabs at me and get me stirred up with anger. Sure, there were times There were times I heard and I cried, but I took all of these things to my father and he consoled me. 
He also put a trusted friend in my life that I spoke about earlier that had agreed to stand with me in this, praying with me, being the believer I needed to help me fight the good fight for my marriage and for my family. So I encourage you to pray in the Spirit. God says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 2 through 4, that you are speaking mysteries. That means Satan, he can't understand you. It really bugs him. Also, you're edifying and building yourself up in the spirit, man. To some of you, you may not quite understand this concept. And it's also referred to as speaking in tongues. Pray for the understanding. And God will tell you the things to pray for in your language, in English. You never pray in doubt and disbelief when you pray in the Spirit. The Spirit always prays, it always prays the will of God. Isn't that awesome? What more can we ask for? God has made provision for everything. What an awesome God we live for. Romans 8, 26 through 37. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself maketh the intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what it is, the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Spend time interceding in the Spirit for your partner or for the situation that you're believing for. God is not feeble-minded or hard of hearing. He hears us. The first time that we pray, he hears us. After that, all we have to do is confess that we have it and thank him for it, believing we have it. Remember the faith? You also need to use your spirit of prayer. Praying in tongues, letting the spirit pray. You know, uh, you need to get to work praying. Praying uh, in tongues, praying just as you normally would. Find yourself like one of the goals I had, and I still work on this because I fail lots of times, but um, I try to make it a goal to pray 15 minutes a day at least in tongues, praying in the Spirit, and focusing on that. And then I try to work it up to where maybe I can do it in the morning, in the afternoon, or the morning, noon, and night, you know? So just set some goals for yourself. But the thing about that is the Spirit knows what you need. And so you can be assured that you're praying the right things whenever you're praying in the Spirit. Now, you may not know it at the time, but the Spirit does. You can pray in the Spirit for that that spouse that you want to come home for that problem that you're having. You can pray in the Spirit. You can pray in the Spirit for an hour while you're doing something else. There really is no excuse to just sit and wallow in self-pity or fear. There's no excuse for idle time, even if you are the one away from home. Pray. Learn to be quiet and give God a chance to talk back to you. If you're away from home, if you're the one who's gone, you have the perfect opportunity to get to know God intimately, for He desires, He desires fellowship with His children. Some evangelists and others that we know have had to take a trip to have peace and quiet and hear God speaking to them. 
Well, I like to listen to quiet music, nothing that's distracting, and just sit and picture Jesus and I sitting and talking. I ask him questions, and I wait for his answers. And most of the time, I just listen for, to what he has to say to me. I also journal everything, even my dreams, things I hear in sermons and thoughts and in my prayers. Turn your situation into a blessing. Redeem and utilize this very time. Before you know it, Satan will be running and saying, Damn it, I lost again. There really is no excuse for moping. You have a lot of time to do a lot of good things just by praying, just by listening and learning. Either God can be your strength and your comfort in your time of need, or he can't. But you know what? It's all up to you. He promises the joy of the Lord is your strength, whether you are with or without your mate. When Jesus truly has a place in your life, when you really learn how to depend on him and not your mate for your happiness, your partner will be home in no time at all. Your problem came as a result of Jesus not being your source. You're all in all in the very beginning. You see, whenever you make the Lord number one, you're free. Your mate no longer has the power to upset you. When you and Jesus have a good thing going, everything else goes good too. Jesus won't fall off of his throne if you don't praise him and get to know him this well. But he knows your relationship with him makes you an overcomer in this life. He loves us, and he wants us to have victory in all areas of our lives. He wanted it so much that he was willing to suffer and die to get it for us. Give your maid or your problem over to God. Give it over to the Lord. Let the Lord have full responsibility for him or her. Don't you try to talk your mate home. They won't listen anyway. Just let the love of Jesus shine out of your face whenever you're with them. It's God's job to change them, not yours. Do you hear that? You're free. You're free of that heavy burden. Just keep giving it to God. Keep praying into it. You and Jesus, you can work on it, and you can let your partner and Jesus work on that other half of it. So next time, we're going to be covering more biblical scripture to which to base these promises on. So be greatly encouraged, greatly encouraged. You can search the word for more promises from God to you so that you can stand and you can confess and you can use your authority in Christ. Isaiah 55, 11 says, So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. Think of it whenever you speak God's word. It will not return void. Jesus always spoke his promises, and that's why God gave him the Spirit without measure. Would you like to have that Spirit without measure? Then speak the Word of God.
Next time, we're going to talk more about God's Word and His promises and how they are always conditional. I want you to notice that He talks about how you are to do your part, and He will do His. Come on back. You'll want to hear more. Everybody, I love you, and have a great day.